On August the 13th, the UAE and Israel agreed to normalizing diplomatic relations. The UAE Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Dr. Anwar Gargash, spoke about the decision. Let us try and put one and one together. Let us try and develop this organic relationship that is developing with Israel in many, many areas. Let us try and basically deal with the current threat towards negotiations for a two-state solution. And the current threat is really this annexation of uh, Palestinian territories. So this is how the idea began. Israel will commit in a three-way phone call with the United States to stopping annexation, suspending it, and at the same time, we will be able to also announce that we will begin what, what I would call uh, a normal relationship with Israel in various, various areas, technology, investment, healthcare, agriculture, etc., leading to uh, reciprocal uh, diplomatic representation. On the 15th of September, the UAE signed the historic Abraham Accord with Israel at a ceremony in Washington, D.C. In the first such agreement between an Arab country and Israel in over a quarter of a century. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Willie Lowry, and this week we're looking at the Abraham Accord between Israel and the UAE. Which represent a game changer in the region because it will rearrange and redistribute regional power in a way that enhance regional stability and development. That was Ebtisam Al-Ketbi, founder and president of the Emirates Policy Center, the UAE's leading foreign policy and security think tank, talking about the Abraham Accord. On August 13, 2020, Donald Trump announced a surprise deal to normalize relations between Israel and the UAE, saying he hoped other Gulf countries would follow. As part of the agreement, Israel suspended its planned annexation of the West Bank. Over the following days, communications between the two countries began. Telephone lines and access to Israeli websites were opened, and on August 29th, the 1972 UAE-Israel boycott law was formally abolished. This meant that people and companies in the UAE could enter into agreements with bodies or people living in Israel or belonging to it by nationality. With some suggesting the two-state solution had been abandoned, Ambassador Lana Nusebe, the UAE's permanent representative to the United Nations, explains that's not the case. I think the first thing, and this is what was such a breakthrough in this diplomatic uh, agreement, was that annexation was essentially taken off the table as part of the package. And the reason that is part of the UAE's foreign policy interest and not only a Palestinian foreign policy interest is because, in our view, a two-state solution on the 1967 borders with East Jerusalem as its capital for the Palestinian state and West Jerusalem for the Israeli state is part of a stable regional security architecture. There will be naysayers, there will be critics of the deal, there will be critics of the approach, but it is our sovereign decision to take this approach. And we want to show and we want to demonstrate through the work going forward how this approach is a win-win for the region, is a win-win for the youth in our region who are looking for leadership that doesn't uh, 
focus on the failures in many ways of what we have not been able to achieve in the last hundred years, but looks instead towards the future, to the next 50 years of what we hope to achieve. On August 31st, the first ever commercial flight between Israel and the UAE took off from Tel Aviv for Abu Dhabi, with the word peace in Arabic, Hebrew, and English above the cockpit window. On it, a U.S.-Israeli delegation led by White House senior advisor Jared Kushner. The opening up of diplomatic ties between the two countries offers the opportunity to build alliances across industries and sectors. Since August 13th, discussions of cooperation have taken place between the countries regarding food security and agriculture, the development of artificial intelligence, and joint investment opportunities in innovation and technology. These are the exciting opportunities for the future and youth of the Emirates that Ambassador Lana Nusebe spoke about earlier. But even beyond the UAE's borders, the effects of the Abraham Accord have been significant. Just a few moments ago, I hosted a historic call between Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel and King Hamad al-Khalifa of Bahrain. In the spirit of peace and cooperation, both leaders also agreed that Bahrain will fully normalize its diplomatic relations with Israel. They will exchange embassies and ambassadors, begin direct flights between their countries, and launch cooperation initiatives across a broad range of sectors, including health, business, technology, education, security, and agriculture. This is a truly historic day. On September 11th, 2020, just a month after the UAE agreement, Bahrain also took steps to normalize relations with Israel. While Saudi Arabia remains committed to peace on the basis of the 2002 Arab Peace Plan that stipulates a settlement to the conflict before normalization, it is allowing all UAE flights to and from all countries, including Israel, to cross its airspace. Oman, which hosted Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in 2018, but is yet to formalize ties with Israel, congratulated Bahrain on its move to normalize diplomatic relations. The UAE is not the first Arab or Muslim state to have diplomatic relations with Israel. The agreement makes the UAE the third Arab country to normalize ties, following Egypt's peace deal in 1979 and one with Jordan in 1994. Ambassador Dennis Ross served under President Barack Obama, President Bill Clinton, and President George H.W. Bush. He's been instrumental in assisting Israeli and Palestinian relations, facilitating many agreements, as well as the 1994 Israel-Jordan Peace Treaty. He tells us why the UAE and Bahrain deals are different to those of Egypt and Jordan. I really don't see them as similar to either Egypt or Jordan. And the reason I say that both Egypt and Jordan were in a state of war with Israel. Bahrain and the UAE, they don't have a common border with Israel. Uh, no territory was lost to Israel. Uh, in the case of Jordan, they have a significant Palestinian population. Uh, so the reality of having been in a state of war creates a very different legacy, both practically and psychologically. Here you have states that are small states that are far removed physically from Israel and who have a kind of, over the last decade, an increasing contact with the Israelis outside, in some cases related to security, in other cases related to the realities of, of the, what I'll call the private sector development. Uh, and there's a perception that Israel can be a partner 
not only in terms of helping deal with some of the external threats, but also dealing with some of what are the issues related to very practical governance. You know, if drought is creating bigger water problems, what could the Israelis do to be helpful? If, you know, if there's questions about uh, food security, what could the Israelis do to be helpful? If there's challenges in terms of cyber threats, what could the Israelis do to be helpful? This willingness to work together has been developing slowly over the years. Although this is a huge coup for Donald Trump, especially with the U.S. elections fast approaching. The symptoms have been brewing for a while. 2019 was marked in the UAE as the year of tolerance. Authorities in the Emirates invited every country in the world to participate in what would have been Expo 2020. But due to the coronavirus pandemic, that's been moved to 2021. That included Israel, but that was just one of many developments. Here's Ambassador Dennis Ross again. I think that there are some people who are slow to realize the changes taking place. I recall during the Obama administration, at certain points, saying to many of my colleagues, we need to wake up and realize, you know, we're having, when, when we meet with the Israelis and all of the Gulf states and many of the Arab states, the talking points are exactly the same. Whether we realize it or not, our own behavior in some ways is contributing to a convergence between them. They see the same threats and they're not sure we're, we're facing up to it the way we need to. I have to say, I'm not surprised by it because we're seeing what has been a change that's been unfolding for some time. The UAE's relationship with the, with the Israelis just didn't emerge overnight. It was more than a decade in the making. Uh, and it wasn't entirely hidden. You know, go back to 2015, where the Israelis were allowed to join the International Renewable Energy Agency in Abu Dhabi. Okay, it wasn't an official representation to Abu Dhabi, but the reality was there was a formal Israeli presence there. You had Israelis competing in, in judo competitions. Uh, you had the Minister of Culture and Sport come. So they were Israel was going to be a part of, had we not had the pandemic, You would have had Expo 2020. Israel was going to have its own pavilion. So it's not like this emerged overnight and with no no background to it. No, there's been plenty of background to it. As the relationship between the UAE and Israel opens up, Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Dr. Anwar Gargash, on the day the signing, hailed it a historic day in the Middle East. Dr. Gargash told a news conference in Abu Dhabi that the Emirates is realistic that a strategic breakthrough in the region, as far as the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, might not be imminent, but that the accord serves Palestinian interests. He said of the strategy so far, quote, Our approach of not communicating with Israel has not helped in resolving the conflict, nor in meeting the aspirations of the Palestinians. Ambassador Barbara Leaf, former U.S. ambassador to the UAE, sees the potential risk of trying a different strategy to broker a Middle East peace deal between Israel and Palestine, but feels the U.S. has a part to play in building on that. You can take risks for war, you can take risks for peace. Um, and we've seen that mix of things uh, coming from Abu Dhabi in, in the last few years. Now, certainly the play for normalization or the, the step to, to normalize with Israel is a strategic one question for the U.S. should be not so much how can we notch up more marks on the board, but rather how do you build on the, the breakthrough that has already occurred, first with UAE, now with Bahrain, 
but build on it strategically for wider regional stability, eventually towards the issue of, of trying to help towards resolution of the Palestinian issue in concert, obviously, uh, with Israel. But the resolution of the Israel-Palestine issue is not the only thing driving the Abraham Accord. There has been a shift in the policy of the UAE. Omar Gabash, the UAE Assistant Minister for Cultural Affairs and Public Diplomacy, explains. You know, I think um, the decision in itself is a marked change because it sent a very powerful signal uh, to the region and, you know, further afield that um, we are uh, a state that respects its own decision making, that respects its own interests, or respects its own sovereignty and is very, very uh, aware of its sovereignty. Uh, and that, you know, for, for possibly one of the first times in our parts of the world, we have a state that is actually saying, look, I have... I have Arab loyalties, I have Islamic loyalties, but I also have my own interests and the interests of my population and the interests of my state. Uh, and we're actually, what we're doing is we're putting our sovereignty, our interests first um, in, in a way that has surprised many of our partners in the region and some of our enemies in the region as well. Um, so essentially what we're doing is we're taking back decision-making uh, into our own hands. As the UAE and Israel sign a groundbreaking new accord, the possibilities and excitement must be palpable for those involved. The potential for what lies ahead in terms of innovation, cooperation, for developing regional peace and stability is vast. Mr. Gobash tells us of his experience. My experience of relationships is that there is initial euphoria, there's initial excitement. Uh, uh, you know, both sides will have both stereotypes about the other, as well as uh, uh, fantasies about what can be achieved. Um, and then, you know, we'll all hit reality, which is, you know, we're, we all live in the same kind of societies, the same kind of, you know, economic and, and cultural environments, and, and nobody's going to be taken for a fool. So uh, I think that's, that's the bit when it gets really interesting, when the hard work of actually connecting begins. This interesting hard work lies ahead for the UAE, and as the country seeks to establish itself as a global player, Omar Gabash differentiates between self-interest and selfishness. It's going to improve the state of, of the common Arab, and it's going to improve the state of, of, of the Arab world. Um, you know, you, you, you have to break a taboo, perhaps, to, to, to see what's possible. Um, and I hope that, you know, what we have done and what we're doing um, will play out in that way. That it will actually be seen as, you know, a controversial step, but a very positive step as well. Uh, and not one built in, uh, out, uh, sort of built out or constructed out of um, uh, selfishness. Self-interest is different from selfishness. We're not turning our back on the Arab world. We're not turning our back on the Muslim world. In fact, what we're doing is we're strengthening our position to serve um, uh, those, those causes even more. The Abraham Accord was signed on September 15, 2020 by Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed and Benjamin Netanyahu almost 42 years after Egypt's Anwar Sadat signed the Camp David Accords in 1978. That signing led a year later to the peace treaty between Israel and Egypt. It's an honor to be here. We're going to have a ceremony outside. Uh, being the first, it was very important that you be the first for us because you're leading a path, you're leading a way, and it's something that people were very surprised at. I will say that even... Uh, the biggest optimists were shocked when they heard about this transaction and shocked in a very positive way. So I want to thank you for making it all happen. Now you're going to have peace, and it'll be a real peace 
And you have the most powerful countries, as an example. It's a great warring nation, if it wants to be. We want to continue doing so in all fields. Uh, and this is just a, a clear message that more should be done between the United States and, and the UAE. But now we can do it even with more nations, with Israel and so many more. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Willie Lowry. Thanks this week to all our guests. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. And if you can spare a minute, we'd really appreciate a review. This episode was produced by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison.